This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. On this episode, we're going to be diving into something we really never dived in before, and that is what it's like to work on and to lead a sales force that is multi-generational. Before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University. Sales Gravy University is where thousands of companies and sales professionals all across the globe come to learn the game of sales. And Sales Gravy University is just really different than any other platform out there because you can take live courses taught by our master trainers and thousands of hours of on-demand courses taught by some of the greatest minds in sales. And we've just launched our new team hub. So if you've got a team of salespeople, all your salespeople, all your content, all your reporting can be in one location. And right now, you can take your very first course for free if you use the code free course. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com. Now, with me is Lee Cantrell and Rob Matura, and they're with Cigna. Yep. And both of you are regional vice presidents. You lead highly diverse sales teams that have people of all ages on those sales teams. And it's just fascinating what you do. And it's got to be a huge challenge. Before we get started, you each run a couple of different regions. And I just want to give you just a quick opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience. And we'll start with you, Lee. Yeah. So I'm Lee Cantrell, as you mentioned, and I have the, the responsibility for the Southeast region. So think about Miami all the way to Arkansas. <laughs> now, if that's not diverse for you, I'm not sure what is. But um, in all seriousness, you know, I live in Atlanta. I'm a Southern girl myself, uh, born and raised here. So um, it is it's a great experience. I love the Southeast, love being able to travel all over the place and, and get to uh, bring that excitement to our teams and our brokers um, and get the pleasure of working with Rob. Thank you, Lee. I have the pleasure of working with you. My name, as you mentioned, is Rob Matura, and I'm the regional vice president. I have a pretty diverse region as well. I go from the Northeast to the Midwest to the West. So think of New York to Arizona. Little wow. different. You go from high rises to cactus. And I actually live in Arizona myself. The teams that I lead are great mixture of individuals from tenured 15, 20 year Cigna veterans. I'm a 17 year Cigna veteran myself, all the way to the brand new right out of college or grad school and learning the business of sales. And so it's a lot of fun that we work together, run the country together and help lead a diverse group of people. Now, Lee and I have something in common. We like fried okra and we like grits, <laughs> right? And so we're going to be working on you because, because no. yeah, because, because there's nothing like cheesy grits. Oh, that's it's the right. best in the world. Uh, we, we, and we also talked uh, just on the, the pre-show a little bit about uh, recruiting uh, folks from the military yep. to come in because you like their discipline. And, and yep. that's, again, people who come from all different backgrounds, uh, the, the experiences they've had may be very, very different than the experiences that your new grad has had. So a highly diverse sales team. And we say diversity, we're talking about diversity of age. And I probably want to talk about multi-generational, but knowing a lot of the people on your team, you've got people from different backgrounds, educational backgrounds. You've got people who came from, from sales. You got people who've never seen sales before in their life and decided that's what they want to do. And you recruited them because they were talented. You've got, um, you've got males and females and people from different races. I mean, you, it's, it's really, 
uh, like this, this, this big old basket of all these different human beings. And you guys are trying to manage them across this wide swath. And like you said, you know, Miami to Arkansas is like going to two different countries almost. Uh, so it, it's, you have to be a different kind of leader in, in that space. So Lee, let's start with, with you. When you think about um, leading a, a diverse sales team, multi-generational, different backgrounds, different careers, what are the challenges for a leader in, when you're leading a team that has that much diversity? Well, to me as a leader, right, you have to figure out what your team brings. And each person on that team is going to bring their own magic, right? And what my job as a leader is to help them figure out that magic and really expand upon it. And so the 65-year-old may be different than the 25-year-old that we have on the team, right? But it's all about, we've, if we talk so much about it today, people buy from you. And so if they can identify with you, and that's what you really want. So the, the 65 year old is sitting there and they have something in common with the people that we sell to every day. Right. Because they're in the same situation a lot of times and they can say it's it's been so interesting. We just got done with a bunch of um, broker roundtables and so many of our agents are Medicare eligible. They're Medicare age and they love to pull their Cigna card out and they say, yeah. you know, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for you. And what an awesome thing that is. Well, when I started in the business, I was. 26 years old and was not Medicare eligible. Right. Uh, but my dad was. And so I leveraged that experience. I was kind of their granddaughter. Right. My dad's in Medicare. Hey, this was really complicated for him. This is how I've helped him. Um, but really pulling the magic. What's the story that they can tell to be successful? And it's not going to be the same story for everybody. Right. And you can't always steal somebody else's story and make it make sense for you. But really finding the magic that each person can bring. So. It sounds like the beginning of this is if you if you're going to have a diversity on your sales team, you have to begin as a leader of seeing every single person on the team as an individual. So there's not a one size fits all from a coaching standpoint, from a training and mentoring. You've got to you've got to work with each individual and build their own strengths. Is that would that be true? So, Rob, let's let's go back to. Uh, building these teams to begin with. So one, we have to, we have to coach and lead as individuals. And that, by the way, is very difficult for a lot of leaders. It's much better to have a homogenous group of people and then everybody gets the same treatment because that's, that really stretches you as a, as, as a professional. But it, at Cigna, which I, I think it's just an amazing career. It's an amazing company. And, and I know y'all very, very well, but I just think you've done such a beautiful job of building the sales team that to me is the sales team of the future. Like the future is not a team full of young 25 year olds, which has typically been what sales has been, but a team full of people who bring all these different experiences to the table. Uh, let's go back to recruiting and bringing those type of people in. What type of intention do you have to have as a leader and as an organization to make the decision that you're going to lean into that level of diversity? Absolutely. It's a great question. And Lee, I loved your answer. I was making some mental notes there to take back for my teams. But when you talk about recruiting and intention, it really, as a leader, you have to understand where your strengths are of the team, what weaknesses you may have, how you need to fill them. And you said before, everyone's an individual. And actually, in one of your books, you talk about the, uh, the five different ways to prospect, right? The asynchronous and versus synchronous. And your quote is always, you have to be great at all of them. 
think about that leading a um, diverse or a multi, multi-diverse team. You have to be great at understanding each individual and being, being great at being able to relate to each individual. So we may have a, an individual of whatever age or race or, 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 or location who's got a strength that is beyond belief. But everyone also has weaknesses. And so finding someone to help balance the strength with the weakness together. So you have an overall team, not looking at someone necessarily as a type of person to bring into the team, but you're looking for the skill sets that's going to make your team collectively stronger. And of course, reach your target population. Now, that's powerful. And that's what I've always believed about um, diversity on teams is that the differences as a, as a group make the group stronger yep. because, because there is conflict and there, there are, you know, it forces us to try to figure out where those strengths are. And it forces us to figure out the things that we like about each individual, which I think is super important. One of my great mentors once said that as a leader, it's not about people liking you. It's about your ability to find the things in the people that you lead that you like. Yep. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, and then, that diversity, what I what I love about it is that uh, is that you because you have all these different people and different talents, they have a tendency to gel to me better because the, sometimes it's just the quirkiness of the team, but they they begin to see themselves as something that's unique because they are, and that creates this this strength and um and I don't know, the identity that you that you typically wouldn't have if the entire team you know, acts alike, looks alike, dresses alike, everybody is just alike. So I, th- I think that's powerful, but let's go back. Let's think about the, the interview process, Lee, because I think like when we start thinking about building a sales team that, that has this diversity and age is a big deal, because if you just think about most leaders, you get a 65 year old who comes in for the interview and, you know, a lot of sales leaders are in their, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're late to mid thirties and they're sitting across the table, their brain turns off. They're like this, you're, you're too old to work here. Yeah. Right. And I, and I know that's true. And I see people looking at me now, I'm 56 years old and people look at me and they go, you're too old to walk in the room. In fact, I have somebody recently, we would like someone a little bit fresher. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, I get that. But, uh, but w- what discipline does it take for the leader? You, the person walks into the interview so that you are open versus closed to that these different people have different things or individuals? Well, I think number one, you have to recognize your own bias, right? Mm -hmm. We all have our own bias, whether we want to admit it or not. Um, And you have to be open-minded and you cannot think, oh, I know exactly this person's Mm -hmm. situation. I know why they're here. You've got to find that out. Um, And I know one of the things that you like to talk about too is kind of like getting to the root of it. What's your why? What do you want to accomplish here? Whether you are, you know, just starting in your career or you're finishing your career, I want to know why do you want this role? Is it because you have such a passion for seniors and you want to help them? Or is it because you're just trying to pay your mortgage? All both of them are good whys. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, right? But you're going to have different strengths. You may, um, you know, have a family and you may that may be like such an important why to you. But I also need you to really have that compassion for the members we serve. Um, And so I think just getting out of our own way and putting our bias to the side and really asking the questions that are going to pull that person out. Mm -hmm. So why do you want this role and how are you going to be successful? 
Yeah. So, so one of the, one of the, the, the most insidious biases that we have as human beings, and by the way, this, we, we, you can leverage this in sales as well, but is something called the similarity bias. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about it all day long and say, put it aside, but this bias is always in play because it's baked into our DNA. And the similarity bias says that people who are like me are more trustworthy. So if you're a 30 something manager and you're, you're, you've got people who are closer to your age walking through the door, you're going to initially think those, those individuals are more trustworthy than people who are 30 years your senior. Uh, so, and there's a lot of other things that come into play as well as your fear of, you know, trying to manage, I feel, you know, you, maybe you feel insecure, but, but that similar bias is always there always. And when you talk about putting it aside, aside, what you're essentially saying is that what you have to do is rise above it. Like you have to choose your intention mm -hmm. and choosing your attention is to me, it is when a person walks in, the slate is clean. Right. What I'm looking for are the reasons why this person is either going to fill a gap on my team right. or they're going to have a passion for what we do, or they're going to be an amazing member because they're going to love to work here. And they're in th this is going to be a great opportunity for them. That's, that's really the key here. And that's not easy. It's, it's really difficult for you to get up, get past those biases, even though we talk about them all the time. So, and I think especially true when it comes to age on sales teams, we've, you know, there was a point in time where, you know, sales teams were primarily men. Like you can, you can probably remember, you know, early in your career, Lee, where like, you know, you walk into a sales room and it's like just bro culture everywhere. <laughs> and it's still like that in, in some, in some software companies. Sure. Right. Uh, and I came in an industry that was almost all male, but by the time I left there, it was about 50, 50. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of my clients who have made major strides in getting more women on the sales force. And there's a lot of push for that. So we've kind of gotten past that. And, you know, there was a time when, you know, you walked into a sales force and it's all, everybody's wearing a suit and everyone of them's man and they're all white and they all look the same. Right. And now you walk into sales teams and like, you know, I, like we turn the cameras on sometimes in the studio and it's a, it's just a mixture of everybody. And that's, that's a, it's a huge move forward in terms of hiring, especially in sales, but age, like that seems to be a barrier that very few companies have passed. If I really look at sales teams, most sales teams are, they're in a slice of, tw you know, 21 to 35 and then you just, you, there's a handful of people who are hanging around that are older, but that doesn't look like your team. But Jeb, let me, let me share a piece of advice I give with my teams. I'm a huge baseball fan. And so I always relate most things back to sports and most things back to baseball. The most successful baseball teams have a mixture of grizzly vets who have been there, done that, who are mentoring and teaching the, the younger generation of players. They have the young up and coming studs who can hit home runs all day and and know how to play that game and have the speed in their, in their mind to do so. And then they've got the mixture of individuals who are, are five, six, seven years in, everyday players. There's nothing they haven't seen in their mechanical and their approach. If you think about it, those sorts of teams, those sorts of individuals all help each other. And a team doesn't succeed if they don't buy into helping each other. And so they remove the age bias. They remove the gender bias. They remove any bias that they have. You have to come in purposefully every day to do that. And the leader, the manager of that team has to instill that as your culture. You do that, you're going to win more games than you lose. And collectively, you're going to achieve more than you can individually, whether you're the young stud ignoring the grizzly vet or vice versa. You buy in, you're going to achieve more together.
the, for me, the, 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 the way that I just look at the world, now this is, I'm, I'm just sales through and through all I think about is sales. I live sales. It's the only thing that I'm good at is I just see every human being as a dollar sign. And I know this is weird. Okay. He says, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying that they don't matter. I just, I look at every person and it's either, can you produce dollars or can't produce dollars? I don't care where you came from. Yep. I don't care if you got a college degree, you don't have a college degree. I don't care if you're 90 or you're 20. Yep. I just look at you and it's kind of like what you were saying. I just look and say, are you the person that's going to be able to generate an outcome yep. on this team? And, and then, and then be happy that you're on the team. Like I, w- I want people who are happy in their work. Like I always ask people in interviews, like walk me through what it is that you want. Like take me through what, what would be meaningful work for you? Because I want them to make money and I want them to want to stay. So when I do that, that's the way I get rid of the whole similarity bias, everything. I just say, everybody's green, you know, and how much green can you produce? Because sales is one of those jobs where we still have to produce. So, yes. so but I, I want to step into leave the 30 something, you know, I know sales managers are 28 years old. 20, I was a I became a sales manager when I was 27, I think. Uh, you're, you're a young sales manager, sales leader, and you're conducting interviews and you're looking at resumes. Maybe your HR person is bringing you some interviews in and, you know, in walks, I don't know, Joe, right? And Joe's got, he's been in every sales job you can imagine and uh, walks in the door and suddenly, as soon as you see Joe, because, you know, when you're 27 years old, Joe's like 48, but he looks like he's 80 to you because that's how it looks like. It's like when you when you're when you get when you hit 50, people who look 25 look like they're babies. Right. So <laughs> so you um you see this and and, you know, you could have the reaction just won't work. Joe's too old, those type of things. But when when I put myself back in those shoes at that age, what what I would have seen was intimidation. Like I've got to lead a person who is that much older than me. We grew up in the South, right? So I grew up in a place where I said, yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am to anybody who was, you know, if you were five years older than me, I was yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. I was just, I learned that level of respect and, and that level of in, that intimidation factor can, can cause you to, to immediately eliminate that person, even subconsciously where you just feel like, how can I manage a person who is that much older and has that much more experience than me? What do you say to that person and how do they, how they, cause I think that's real for people. Yeah. How do they get past that? Well, it's interesting. So my first real uh, leadership role was exactly that. So I was in my early thirties, I became a sales director and I was actually somebody on the, my team used to be my manager, right? Yeah. And he was aging into um, kind of the twilight of his career. But one of the things that I think is so important for a young leader is to have that experience on the team, because guess what? None of us know everything. Right. And so I think that's what I learned at a really early age um, as a leader is to leverage that experience. Listen, that person had been around sales and Medicare 20 plus years longer than I had. They had seen it all. Right. And so I wanted to access that experience. And so I didn't look like, oh, man, they're ancient. They have so much experience I can gain and our team can gain. And I think that's another thing as leaders. And and I do think there's some generational differences as younger people become 
leaders. We want to see different things in our leaders. We don't want the authoritarian, right? We want to partner. We want to work together. We want to be collaborative. Um, And I hope that we can bring that to the next generation too, because, hey, we need to collaborate together because we're going to be better together versus let me set the agenda. That doesn't, that's not going to work. Yeah, I think uh, I look back at my career and I think two things. When I was really young, I had a team, everybody on my team was older than me. And I was just a very ambitious leader. I got promoted very, very quickly. I went from, you know, literally frontline entry level job when I was 24 years old to when I was 33 years old, I'm vice president of sales, like a very, very mm-hmm. quick move. So there were, there were points in my life where everybody was older, more experienced. And the, the thing that, that really helped me was just some mentors who helped me just get over like the, the need to be the smartest person in the room. And, uh, and essentially what, what, what they said was, um, you want to make yourself obsolete. That's how you get promoted. And I'll never forget one of my early leaders, Roger McKee said that to me, just, he said, if you want to get ahead make yourself obsolete. And I said, well, if I'm obsolete, they won't need me anymore. And he goes, no, he said, if you're obsolete, they will always find more important things for you to do. And, and what I learned what, what obsolete was, is you bring people and you get people around you who are better than you at doing it. And it turns out that people have more experience. They're typically really good at doing it and they don't need a lot of, a lot of handholding. And they're, if they're, if they're showing up every day, they're more motivated. You don't have to kick them out of bed. They're like, they're ready to go. And, uh, and so what I did was started tapping into that experience and I would sit down with them and say, you've had a lot of experience in this. Teach me, teach me. Or I would say, I've got a group of people and I need to train them. You already know how to do this. Would you mind training them? And they would just light up because suddenly now they feel important. They feel significant. They feel like that their, their expertise, the things that they've gained over time they feel like that's appreciated and like everybody wants to know that they matter. And suddenly they're more motivated and they're jumping in there with you. And, and then, and then I, you know, I'm sitting in my office one day staring at the wall. I got nothing to do because all the people around me are so good at it. And then I get the next promotion. So, so for me, it was always about, and, and I had to learn this, somebody to teach me this, let go of your ego, mm-hmm. right. And tap into their experience and it makes you better. But Rob, how about this, you know, this concept of multi-generational mentorship? You read about this sometimes where, you know, you got the Gen Z helping, you know, the, 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 the I'm like, you know, I'm Gen X, but we talk, we talk about, you know, the, the, um, the, the baby boomers, which, you know, that's, that's fading quickly, but you, but you, you, you've got one generation helping the other generation. Mm-hmm. We talk about that. I see, I read about this in, you know, in the Wall Street Journal and all these things, but how do you as a leader foster that environment where you've got that, you've got that intergenerational mm-hmm. um, mentorship happening and almost organically where everybody's working with each other? I go to learning and that's what we really focus our teams on is learning. I think of two things. One is the quote, those who don't learn the past are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And also those who don't evolve become dinosaurs, right? And so if you think about a multi-generational team, all of those aspects are at play. And as a leader, fostering that culture of learning, so the younger sales professionals who haven't been around the block long enough yet, learning and understanding the different situations. And when this situation comes up, here's how I dealt with it as, as the older individual or the more experienced individual. You can accelerate a young individual's learning and their career incredibly high. And, but you have to be able to foster and buy into that learning environment, get your bias and your ego out of the way. 
same token, an, a more experienced, older generational um, worker may feel like, hey, I've done this well for 20 years. But technology didn't stick around for 20 years in the same way. And that younger sales professional may be an expert in different ways to use technology to make them more successful. So if that older individual wants to continue to grow their career, hit their financial or life goals that they have, fostering that same culture of learning and and getting taught how to use technology a little bit differently, or what are some new secrets or tricks of the trade that are helping them all be more successful? If they really all buy into that learning culture, they see that the, the younger sales professional and the older sales professional are just as valuable and equal in their own experiences to help each other grow. I love that. And, I, and that, that fostering culture, at least in, in my experience with the teams that I've, I've run, and I've always prided myself on building these massively diverse teams where everybody's just different. And, and you know, there's like, you know, just crazy different from each other. I, I just love quirky teams. But what I had to do as a leader is I had to put people together in the same place a lot because otherwise what people will do is eventually because of the similarity bias, they'll all drift into their, into their space where everybody around them is the same. So it was put them in the same place, put them in the same place, put them in the same place. I once, uh, I took a group back when I was in LA, I took a, a, a group of my team members to see one of our locations in Boston and I put them all on an airplane. And these are all, most of them were like native Southern Californians. Like they'd never really seen snow, <laughs> you know, it was snowing, but then, you know, the young people were out there throwing snowballs at the old people. And that was a moment where it's like everything clicked and it wasn't something that we planned. It was organic, but we got them in situations enough with each other that it just became normal. And we began, they began seeing themselves as, as similar to each other mm-hmm. versus different, but in that particular group. Right. And at that point, like they, they, they got each other's back. Like you mess with right. one person yeah, in this group, you're right. messing with us all. Yeah. So I think that that's a, that's a, uh, something that leaders have to make the decision to do and you can't force it. It just, you've got to, but you've got to make it happen. Um, let's just, this has been a great conversation, but I want to, I want to back up to talk really quickly about Cigna. And this podcast wasn't necessarily meant to be. A, uh, an advertisement for, for Cigna, but I know that you're always looking for great people. Like you've got, you're constantly recruiting, you're constantly looking. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about why people should come work for Cigna if you're in sales and we got a pretty big sales audience, but let's, let's talk about just stepping real quickly into recruiting in today's environment. So most leaders know that it's been harder because there are less great candidates out there, less talent. And you've, you, you, you can't really afford to make a lot of mistakes because right. you were, you know, especially in sales because you put the wrong person out in the street and it can destroy your brand and it can mess up a year. So what, um, what are some of the strategies that, uh, that you're using right now to get people to, to come even talk to you about a job there that other sales leaders, some best practices that other sales leaders should, should, maybe take up and Lee, why don't you, you start us off? Oh boy, that's a, that's a big question because that is a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. In today's world. And our businesses is interesting. So we have an internal sales team, but then we also have our broker channel Mm -hmm. and that's what for sure is all, we're always recruiting. We're always looking for new partners and talk about an amazing business. Our business, we get to help people. Most of our products 
don't cost anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you can believe that, like yeah. my dad's yeah. like, what are you doing? How do you sell this? Um, and in fact, when I got into the business, my dad, who had been in commercial real estate his whole life, he got his insurance license because he saw what a difference. And, and this was so needed, right? And he was over 65. And it was such a dynamic shift in our relationship too, because I got to teach him this new business. <laughs> so that was, that was really cool. But I mean, as far as recruiting, we are always looking for people with passion for other people, yeah. right? And yeah. really want to help out. Um, and it's interesting earlier in my sales career, you know, you're always kind of looking for the sexy job, you know, and back in the day, it was like pharmaceutical or what, whatever. I, I was a professional golfer for a little while. I was like, oh, I'm going to be an agent. I'm going to do this or that. And the thing that I've realized through my sales career, <laughs> that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is helping people. And if you have a passion for that, you will always be taken care of. You'll always be successful. And so we, we look also for folks that have a military background, like we were talking about. Um, they can be super successful with us. We actually have products that are really geared to helping mm -hmm. veterans. Um, and Cigna, I've only been at Cigna for three years, mm -hmm. but I will say the culture at Cigna is so completely different than places that I've worked in, mm -hmm. in the past. You really feel like you're a valued employee, that you are there. And that's hopefully we make our teams feel mm -hmm. the same way. Um, but it truly is a different culture uh, than so many people in our, our industry experience. Um, but it all starts with we're trying to help people. That's that, I love that you said that because uh, if I think about as a, as, a, as a leader, what I've always taught my sales leaders is you're always recruiting. It's just like prospecting, always on. And the, the, the most important thing, and that's so powerful, you said, is just keep your eye out for people around you who really have a passion for helping people who are going the extra mile. And when you see them, you have to be aware enough to start a conversation with them. Even if that conversation isn't for right now, like, you know, I would gr grab their information and say, could I call you sometime and just keep up with you? Cause if something changed, I'd love to talk to you about what we have to offer here. And it could be anybody. Some of the very best salespeople that I've ever hired were waiting tables. Yeah. We, you know, yeah, we you, do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. A few of those. We do. And some from finance, some from underwriting, it's all walks of life. And really it's when you're always looking for the qualities in a person who you want on the team, who the team needs, you're, you're always have the opportunity to find somebody to always be prospecting and recruiting for new, for new talent. You never know when you're going to have an opening on your team. You never know when life happens. Mm -hmm. But if life does happen and you have to fill a spot and you don't have those personal connections in today's day and age, 60 days, 90 days or yeah. longer, but you still have your sales goal, but now you have an empty spot. So always looking. I love that because that's, that's when, you know, back, I remember back when I was a sales manager, I'd lose somebody, but I had, you know, I had a whole list of people that I'd met and talked yeah. to, and I always call it my drawer of resumes, but it was like a drawer, but a business card. These days it's, you know, it's digital, but I just start picking up the phone and I might call through 20 people and go, you know, we talked a while back. I've got a new opportunity and you'd get the one that said, you know what? I'm, you know, I just had a bad experience with my boss. I'm, I'm interested. Nice. And, and now you're having a conversation and you're able to self-generate because if you, then you got, you got to wait for recruiting to open rec, got to, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world to always be recruiting, always be talking with people and, and grab their name, put it down, stay in touch with them. And you will, uh, you will, you will never have an open head, head you know, head count again. <laughs> That's the goal. So I, I, you did a really good job of telling people why they should 
come to Cigna? Rob, I know you have an immense passion about this, but so if, if you were talking to a person out there who may be like looking for a career change and thinking maybe this is what I want to do, or, you know, maybe you're moving to the end of your career and a company doesn't value you because of your age, this is a good place to go. What would you say to, to a person who may be thinking about making a career change, maybe coming to Cigna? So I'll look into the camera, come to Cigna. I'm a 17 year veteran of Cigna. I've been approached by multiple companies over there, like all of us are who are successful. And I've never left. In fact, I'm a second generation Cigna employee. So to say I bleed the company, a little bit of an understatement. Why? It's the company that they really invest in their people. And, and Lee said it great before. We're all around helping our customers, helping our customers live healthy lives, whether it's health, wellness, well-being, et cetera. And to do that every day with passion, you have to be a little different inside. You have to be that person who wants to help other people. Well, Cigna takes that same passion, puts it towards their employees. In my 17 years, I've gone on multiple rotations within the organization to learn. I love learning. They've had me lead operations, lead sales, build new channels, build distributions, build segments um, around the world and within the U.S., all because I just asked the question, hey, I want to learn this. Can I, can I do something here? So Cigna invests in their employees just as much as we invest in our customers. And it's an incredible culture. I can't describe it other than come work for Cigna because it's, you have to feel it, you have to experience it. But having that power and knowledge that you can do anything and you're going to be supported and you're going to have that opportunity, you just need to be curious, have a little bit of intelligence on what you want to look at doing and go and do it and grab it. They're going to support you. And, and I would just add one thing. And we're such in growth mode right yeah. now. Um, so there, it's interesting. We've had, found some really good talent out mm -hmm. in the field and we're like, you're a great salesperson, but you know what we could really use you doing, right? Is leading other salespeople or yeah. leading a training team. Or, and so there's so much opportunity because we are in such a, a, a highly uh, growth mode. <laughs> I don't know how else we to are. put it. Like we, yes, we you are. know, we have, we have really lofty goals. And so there's nothing like going to work for an organization too, that will create a role around what the, the value you bring. Right. Yeah. And really make sure that that magic is um, explored. So love that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so if someone wanted to come work for you in the Southeast, how would they get in touch with you? Um, well, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, very, very active on LinkedIn. So Lee Cantrell, maybe Lee Turner Cantrell, okay. uh, on LinkedIn, but shoot me a message. Um, we'll get you plugged in to, depending on what, what you're looking for. Um, and again, we always are recruiting on our broker channel. So if you're entrepreneurial, um, let's talk, let's see how we can get you plugged into our systems. Um, but yeah, just give us, give awesome. us a direct message. And same with me. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on all the socials. So regardless of what kind of social medium you use, you can find me as well, but it's robert.matura at Cigna.com. That's also the email address, but that's my name on all the socials as well. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, very nice to have you. This it was a great conversation. Appreciate it. And folks, make sure that you go check out Sales Gravy University. That's learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com. And our brand new team hub, if you're a smaller scaling sales team, is really built for you. It gives you access to the same training that organizations at the enterprise level use, same quality training at a fraction of the cost. So you can scale up your sales team, get them ready to rock and roll, and you can, you can drive productivity and performance. Go to Sales Gravy, Sales Gravy University. That's learn.salesgravy.com. We'll see you next time on the Sales Gravy Podcast. 